Hello, everybody. Welcome to the uh, Cosmic Navigator Astrology Show. And I'm actually uh, trying to make it happen from, uh, let's see, from Sofia. So hope you are hearing this or seeing this or sensing this. And if you're seeing it later or hearing it later, uh, thanks for joining. Uh, I know that there might be a little bit of an uh, echo. Um, maybe every week you'll see me a little bit different, but I'll try to be consistent. And actually, I wanted to uh, um, say that today, remember we always talked about how very interesting things happen on the Sundays that we actually meet. And one of the interesting things that's happening today is today is December 12th. If you didn't notice, it's 12-12, but I'm not talking about the numerological aspect of it. Uh, I'm actually talking about the, the day of Guadalupe. So if you are in the Las Americas, uh, that includes the North America, the Central America, and the South America, or if you carry America with you, as I am doing now uh, in Sofia, uh, this is a very auspicious day. This is a very special day. Today is the day of Guadalupe, uh, the considered to be the goddess or the mother of uh, Las Americas. So it's a very, very special day. In fact, uh, I just learned today, I didn't even know that when I was uh, preparing this uh, little meeting for you guys, is that the most worshipped shrine on this planet is the Ganges, you know. So if you go to India, that's the place where the most amount of people come to worship as a shrine. The second one, as you probably suspected, is the Kaaba in Mecca. And the third one is the Bastilia of Guadalupe in Mexico City, that apparently the most amount of people, the three most amount of, third most amount of places that uh, people come to worship. What is worship? To connect the above and the below, which is precisely what we are doing here. What we are attempting to do is connect things that happen above uh, to things that are uh, happen below or to see that uh, correlation, that connection. So first of all, it's um, an honor to be here with Sophia. Not that Sophia is sitting with us, but she's all around us. Uh, it's interesting, you know, that one of my heroes is Pythagoras and Pythagoras is the one that gave us that um, word philosophy, uh, the love of Sophia, the love of wisdom. And wisdom, of course, is one of the spheres of in the tree of life. It has to do a lot with uh, magic and synchronicities. Again, two, the second sphere, which is the connection between the above and the below. So here we are on the day of Guadalupe, talking to you from Sophia, another uh, a goddess of wisdom. And I hope you have an amazing Sunday. And let's just dive into it uh, because... We're going to talk a little bit about generations. I hope we cover uh, the full moon that's coming up next Sunday, again, Sunday, and uh, also the Venus retrograde that's going to start again next Sunday. So I don't want to wait for next Sunday because it's going to be kind of too late to tell you, hey, uh, there is a um, roadblock when you're already stopped in the roadblock and you say like, thank you for telling me there's traffic. You should have told me a little bit earlier and I would have turned left or right. So... Let's look at um, uh, things that are happening uh, with us right now. So first of all, before we go into looking into um, the energies of, uh, as we do every time, uh, every week, I wanted to, first of all, talk about um, the day of Guadalupe. So as you, some of you know, because some of you live in America, uh, I see some people here that joined us from Texas and you definitely know what's happening in uh, Mexico. Texas was Mexico in the past. I lived in California, which used to be Spain and later on became a new Spain and later on became Mexico and later on became California, America. Who knows what it's going to become in the uh, later. But again, it's interesting that the uh, day of Guadalupe which is, again, the most worship icon, you can say, in America. It's much more than Jesus. I remember when I was in Mexico the first time I came there, and as you know, I lived uh, for a while in Mexico, in, Guadal in Guadalajara, and I was actually really um, surprised that I didn't see so many symbols or so many images of Christ. I saw way more of his mama. So the mother of Christ, Guadalupe, is a very interesting icon that, again, you can see here, this is um, the image of her. 
And Juan Diego is holding the moon. So, of course, you can see the moon as very, very much connected to uh, uh, Guadalupe. Uh, you can connect her very easily to the uh, second card of the major arcana after, uh, sorry, the third after the fool and after the uh, magician. It's the high priestess. And the high priestess is associated with the energies of the moon. And here we see a, an archetype of that um, high priestess. And it's interesting that it is celebrated on December 12 because she chose to reveal herself, at least mythologically speaking, to this uh, guy, Juan Diego, in 1531. He was a peasant, indigenous. She actually spoke to him in the natural language, the, la the language Nautal, the, the, the language of the Aztecs. And it's also interesting that Juan Diego is the first uh, native, you can say, person to be canonized. It happened hundreds of years later. Of course, it took the church quite a lot to pick, to kind of uh, come to term with what the people want. Even Guadalupe, uh, even though she was revealed in 1531, it took them about 350 years to decide, you know what, you can't beat them, join them, uh, let's make her a saint. You know, even though for the people, it was very obvious immediately that we have some a new archetype descending to us, which has to do with the feminine force instead of the masculine force. So that may be what have caused a little bit of confusion for the Holy Church. But it also is interesting to notice that 1531, if you guys know a little bit about the history of Mexico, a few decades later, uh, with the church came the Inquisition. And the Inquisition actually lasted in Mexico way later um, compared to Europe. But that's a different story. Maybe that's a different time that we can uh, uh, talk about it. But even, anyway, what happened with her is that she came a few times. She came a few times, not because this guy, Juan Diego, didn't believe in her. He actually really did. But it's the um, bishop in Mexico City that uh, kind of raised his eyebrow. I can't do it. But he kind of was skeptical and said, really, uh, you, you got a vision and not I or not one of the clergy. And it was... Uh, um, the mother of God? Are you sure it wasn't uh, God? So anyway, she had to come a few times, you know, um, to repeat herself again and again. And even at the end, she kind of lost her uh, uh, patient. Don't forget that her revelation happened during Sagittarius. So we don't know when Maria was born, you know, the mother of Christ, when she was actually born. There's so many arguments about when Christ was born, so let alone when his mother was born. But she did decide to reveal herself of all days on December December 11, it 9, December 11, December 12, which is Sagittarius, which is again very interesting because Sagittarius is the teacher. The Sagittarius is mass media. So no wonder her revelation didn't only cover the area of Mexico City, but spread all over Las Americas, Las Americas as in plural, uh, the three Americas. And it's a feminine energy that basically took over or helped, let's say, the Catholic Church uh, took its root, take its root in uh, America. And again, it's interesting that she kind of lost her patient, which sometimes happened to Sagittarian. Uh, no estoy yo aquí que soy tu madre. Am I not here? I who am your mother. So she kind of, after a few revelation, uh, got a little bit, I'm not saying testy, but kind of like, okay, get over it and go tell the bishop that, yes, I am. You know, that's uh, very similar to the burning bush with uh, Moses and God when Moses asked eventually for the name of God. And he kind of said in the same testiness, I am that I am. I guess it runs in the family. And it doesn't matter if the revelation happens in uh, Africa. I guess Sinai was Africa at that time. Uh, or if it happens in Asia because it's on the border, or if it happened in Las Americas. So it is a revelation. Sometimes what it means, I think, the message behind it, why she had to come again and again and again, because, I mean, I don't know if it's a documentary she actually came or if it's a mythological um, revelation. But what it means is that we always have... Tend to have a tendency to be skeptical. We have a tendency to think, oh, well, maybe I didn't see it very well. And that's why we have what we call reoccurring dreams, meaning dreams that come again and again. When you have reoccurring dreams, it's usually because you haven't listened uh, the first time or you're not completely understanding what it is. Now, it's interesting because um, uh, that revelation, I actually looked at the chart for that time, it happened when Pluto was conjuncting Minerva. And Minerva, of course, is the goddess of wisdom. Pluto is transformation. And what I was reading, uh, I was reading lately quite a lot about the uh, Spanish uh, Inquisition in Mexico. It's a very sad, sad story. I mean, 
Nothing can be happy about the Inquisition. You know, it's kind of a sad story for humanity, especially for the Catholic Church, especially for Spain, and especially for Mexico. Um, but the interesting thing that uh, happened around that time is that uh, Pluto is the Lord of Transformation. It can be a little bit dark. It can be a little bit uh, intense. But the uh, records from the Inquisition actually talk about how what happened with the church in Mexico is that while it was at war, don't forget the Inquisition, 1531, we're talking about what, 50, 40 years about like uh, the Reconquesta, like the the, the, the end of uh, the Kingdom of Granada, the last one that needed to be conquered back from the Muslims that came there at 7-Eleven uh, and had their kingdom for 500 years. Cordoba fell 500 years after it was actually captured by the Moors or by the Muslims, which is, again, very interesting because 500 is two time the cycle of Capricorn, of um, Pluto. It's a Pluto return. And we already know from history that a lot of time empires or uh, countries last 500 years or 250 years. And by the way, the Pluto in Capricorn, it was, I think, 28 degrees Pluto when this revelation happened, 1531. Of course, the Pluto return after that is the establishment of United States, which is kind of interesting. And next year, we're going to have the second Pluto return of the revelation of Guadalupe. So next December 12th, it will be a very important astrological period for the revelation of Guadalupe. But the idea that Pluto was sitting on top of Minerva when Guadalupe appeared is interesting because it does talk about an archetype that is connected to Athena, the goddess of wisdom, the goddess of just war. And that's what's happening today. So even if you're not a Catholic, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not a believer, there is something interesting about December 12, the 12, 12, 12 apostles, 12 being associated always with learning and teaching the the 12 nights of the, of, um, a, Arthur. So there is something about the message that is projected around today. So it doesn't have to be necessarily that it is the message of uh, Maria, uh, the mother of God or whatever. It could be the feminine energy channeling itself through Pluto, creating a transformation in Capricorn, which is something that you might have been stuck on in the past or something that has to do with tradition. So there's something that's breaking that tradition and allowing something new to come. For me, it's the image of an egg uh, breaking the shell, you know, the shell that protects the egg, but eventually constricts it. And now we have this ability to break away from it. And when I was talking about what I, re what I discovered about the Inquisition is that at that time, uh, the, like I said, it's about 40 years after 1492, you know, after the Jews and the Muslims were expelled out of uh, Spain. And Spain went through a very, you can say, religious uh, notion. I mean, very, very much about us against them, a, a very strong collectiveness, uh, collectivism, that it is... Um, us against the Muslims, us against the Christian, against other Christian. It was the time of the Reformation. Don't forget. It is us against the, uh, the Jews. But when they came to America, they decided that the Indians or the natives here are not posing any threat to them. They looked at them as little children, as, um, something, you know, small that just needs a little bit of help because they found similarities between the mythology of the sacrificial lamb, you know, the Jesus, the Christ, and Quetzalcoatl, of course, which was, again, the feathered serpent that also sacrificed himself. So what they decided to do is instead of eliminate them, uh, the, the Native Americans or the, the natives that they found here, they tried to assimilate their mythology into it. And that's why when the Inquisition came, it didn't really work against the natives, against the Indians. It actually worked much more against the crypto-Jews, uh, those that um, uh, escaped from Spain, Muslims and Jews, and converted to Christianity, but kept the religion alive one way or another. And in fact, the place where I studied Kabbalah from was uh, one of these families that kept the Kabbalah active, even though they were uh, Catholic for many, many generations. So it's an interesting day today, something to celebrate, uh, December 12. Always remember, it's the day that is associated with the goddess, with the high priestess, and with uh, Guadalupe. And you can see the moon there, of course, making it very much connected to uh, what we're talking about. One of the interesting things that happened in the Revelation is that uh, the bishop wanted proof. 
He wanted uh, celestial bureaucracy. You know, don't tell me this woman came to talk to you. I don't know who this woman is. I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe you're a little bit schizophrenic. Maybe you hear voices. Maybe you're just very imaginative. So she, he wanted some proof, some miracle. And the miracle was Castilian roses appearing on the, in, in the hill around. And that's an image of the Castilian roses. And of course, the Castilian roses was a miracle because at that time, uh, America didn't have any roses. It's not native. And for me, it's so symbolic that the miracle had to be a, a non-native plant appearing, especially the rose. The rose in uh, Western tradition is associated with the heart, uh, with Christ, by the way. And it's very much the Western equivalent to the lotus, uh, the symbol of compassion and unconditional love. And it's kind of coincidence that I'm talking to you about that here from Bulgaria, which is very much famous for uh, the roses that they have and the rose oil and the rose water. So there you have it, Castilian roses in Sofia in the day of Guadalupe, connecting Europe and America. But what I wanted uh, to talk to you about is Venus. And maybe, of course, it is connected. Venus is the goddess. So, uh, yes, all of you guys know, because I've been you know, putting it in your head for a while, that we are going to have an interesting Venus retrograde, Venus retrograde in Capricorn. We talked about the imagery of that as a woman who is thinking that she's going to club and on the way to the club, the Uber decides or the Lyft or whoever is picking her up to take her up to the mountain where it's super cold, and force her to walk and hike there and admire the view while she is in clothes that are for club, not for hiking, on high heels, and on top of everything, telling her to go uh, in reverse, some kind of a weird competition. You know, maybe it's some kind of a new reality show, the Venus retrograde, uh, the sexy women that can climb really high on mountains, on high heels, walking backward. And maybe I just pitched a show. Anyway, the shadow already began in November 19. So if you felt that there are exes appearing from the past, uh, suddenly um, insecurities that might be, uh, might have come, or it doesn't have to be all negative. It could be an old talent, or suddenly you're finding yourself singing in the shower and used to belong to a choir when you're younger, whatever. Those energies are reconnecting you because of Venus retrograde, because she's returning. Uh, and Capricorn is ancient. Capricorn is patterns from the past. Capricorn is also past lifetimes. So there could be a lot of connection right now to past lives, especially talents, especially new ways of making or old ways of making money that can maybe help you next year. And I also told you that, yes, I know that worldwide we're having inflation. The numbers came up in America in the last, in the United States, sorry, in the last few days that are very worrying. But we talked about how when Venus is in Capricorn, especially when it's retrograde, it could start adjusting itself slowly through 2022 because we're starting the year with Venus retrograde in Capricorn. And Capricorn tends to be frugal, not to spend too much money. But anyway, the shadow, we talked about how from now on we have to pay attention to the shadow. Venus was lurking in the shadow, retrograding um, virtually from November 19. So you can go back to November 19 and see what was going on. Now, Venus in the human body, uh, human body, I guess human, I mean, Venus in the body, it rules the ovaries, if you have. It rules uh, any kind of um, reproductive organs. It rules the kidneys. And also it can be associated with this part of the body as well, uh, the um, throat. So, of course, now we're getting into flu season, so be a little bit more careful. What we carry on ourselves. So one of the things you should do in Venus retrograde is bring your uh, shoulder and your neck up. You know, just relax yourself a little bit more. And whatever part of your body you feel like you carry the load or the fears or the issues with um, finance, that part of your body might be out of whack, out of line. Maybe your lower back because you have fear of, fi of finance. Maybe it's your heart because you're afraid you're never going to find a partner. Maybe it's in one of your shoulders or something. So all of that it could be a little bit off in the next, um, let's say, a month or so. If you include also the shadow at the end, we're talking about March 3rd. I know it sounds very far, but again, the shadow should be a little bit easier. So again, now from November 19 until next week, we were in the shadow of Venus retrograde. It was trying to whisper to you, not scream, 
What might be the issues that you have to deal with in partnerships, in relationships, with your talents, with your insecurities, with your self-worth, and with values? We'll see that there is clash of values. That's what I also wanted to see if we're going to have time to talk about. Stationary. That is the time that is the most difficult. Okay, just in general, Venus retrograde happens every year and a half for 40 days and 40 nights. Like we always said, it's very biblical. It's the same thing that Jesus had to experience in the desert. And what did uh, Jesus experience in the desert? He found the uh, devil came to uh, hang out with him. It's the only thing you can find after not eating 40 days, 40 nights. And it's interesting because the devil is associated with the tarot card, you know, the Capricorn tarot card. And we're now having Venus retrograde in uh, Capricorn. So stationary, the 19th of December, the 20th of December, that's the period where you feel it more stuck. You feel more um, closed. You feel more tight. So again, physically speaking, try to stretch yourself. Again, Capricorn is the bones. Um, everything has to do with uh, joints, teeth, skin, your biggest organ in a sense. So anything that is connected to structure, even in the body, like the skin that keeps you intact, you know, without the skin will be all over the place. Uh, the bone that allows you to also walk onto your spinal cord, all of these areas in the body, the joints, the knees uh, are related to Capricorn. And that's why Capricorn uh, or health issues with Capricorn take time to heal. So the 19th and the 20th, you might feel the tightest. You might feel the most amount of misunderstanding with partnerships, with finance. But it's a good time to stand still. You know what it says in Psalm, stand, uh, be still and know that I am God. And that basically means that on station, on uh, Venus stationary, the 19th and 20th of December, it's one of the best times to actually meditate because Venus is stationary. Venus is frozen in a sense. Venus is standing still. So again, as above, so below. Try yourself on the 19th and the 20th to find a few moments to stand still or to sit still or to lie still or to be on your head still, as long as it's still. Because that could help you a lot with uh, everything that we're talking about is channeling the energies of Venus. Then from December 21, right on the solstice, the winter solstice in the Northern Hemisphere, the Southern Hemisphere is going to be the summer solstice. Lucky guys. Uh, that's the, the time where Venus is going retro. So it's going backward until January 27. That's not a good time to do anything associated with Venus, unless you're doing something that you've done in the past and you're trying to give it another shot. So always remember, if there is a RE before, in English at least, redoing, refinancing, reconnecting, redesigning. So it's not that you can't design your house. You got already the paint and everything, but make sure that it's a redesign instead of starting something from scratch. So if you can wait until at least after a December, after February 4, to start something new, that would be great. And that also relates to your new year resolution. You can see it in the book. I have a whole chapter in the 2022 book about when to start what type of new year resolution in order to be successful. So um, retrograde Venus, uh, try not to start new relationships unless you really meet this person and you have this feeling, not fake, real feeling that you know this person from before, you know, um, and that you feel it, not the other person. So if the other person tells you, oh, I know you from a past lifetime, maybe it's like a good uh, a way to kind of start a conversation or to start a relationship, but I'm not sure it's always very authentic. So you have, to, you have to come from inside of you. If somebody tells you that, I wouldn't trust it. If you feel familiarity, if you feel like this is a deja vu, this is a feeling like familiar, and that's a really good sign that this is a person that you can reconnect to from a past life or from even a past in this life, then it's fine. But there's a tendency from exes to reappear. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that's, oh, you're back. I love you and start all over again, because maybe it's not going to last up until uh, after March 3rd, which is the end of the shadow of Venus retrograde. Um, then what we have is the conjunction of Mercury with uh, Venus. That's actually not too bad. That's December 29th and December 30th. So 
that's um, an interesting time because the conjunction of Mercury with Venus is a time where art and design and communication and business are coming together. I know that most places are going to be closed and people are going to be vacationing, but maybe it means better communication with your partners, better communication even with your own talents, especially if it relates to graphic designs or um anything to do with rebranding, seeing yourself differently. Uh, maybe um, it's something to do also with uh, the connection between digits and, uh, and, and colors or uh, sound and words. So try to think about in what way during that period, December 20, uh, sorry, uh, December 9, 29 and 30, you can put together your right and your left hemisphere. So that's when Venus is conjuncting Mercury. Until December 31, from now, a conjunction of Pluto. <laughs> That's why I wrote kind of like Merry Christmas. Uh, it's more like Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, if you saw that movie, compared to just like Merry Christmas and a smile. It's more like, you know, that uh, it's a very famous tweet now. Everybody sees it again. You know, that uh, strange uh, guy, I don't remember even from what, um, North Carolina, South Carolina, I don't know, that senator that posed uh, with his whole family holding guns for Merry Christmas. That's more like that, I would say. Uh, something that Jesus would look at and say, like, who is this guy? Is he uh, is he one of my followers? Oh, my God, protect me from my followers. But anyway, until December 31, we have the conjunction of Venus and Pluto. You know, Venus is retrograding already. She's retrograding Capricorn. Great. And that's why we talked about it. Pluto, you know, Pluto is in now is in Capricorn at the end of Capricorn, but still it's in Capricorn. So Venus on top of um, Pluto and that conjunction happening once she's retrograding right on December 31, the end of this year, it's going to uh, be until December 31. So at least next year, we're not going to have it with us. Um, is interesting because it means Pluto is transformation of your relationship, of your talents, of the way you make money. So it is, it's a period where you could completely change how you view your talents, your values. So there's going to be a lot of people changing values. Now, it's, it's, it could be a good thing. Maybe a lot of families are coming together in Christmas and exchanging ideas, hopefully not arguing so much. But because Pluto is death, and Venus is relationship. I'm not saying your partner is dying, but I'm saying something is transforming and changing. Something can be shedding in relation to your relationship. And that's already starting. You should feel it until the end of the conjunction around December 31. Then it's going to be, Venus is going to be stationary January 28 and 29. Again, it's a good time to stand still and know that I am goddess. And then the shadow it's going to be easier after January 29, way easier after February 4, when Mercury is also going direct. But uh, the shadow is going to be until March 3rd. So if you want to be on the safe side, just be a little bit careful uh, up until the, March 3rd. After that, things are going to flow much better. Now, the way that it works is, I think, like a, like a, like a spring. A spring, yeah. It's kind of now Venus is constricting up until uh, at least, let's say, January 29, and then it's going to release. So everything that is held by, back that relates to Venus, money, uh, talent, self-worth, um, relationship, partnership, justice, fairness, law, might be kind of constricted, and then puff, it's going to open up and create new things in your life. So sometimes it's good for a planet or for an energy to kind of restrict itself or hold back or even go backward. You know, it's like you're pulling, 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 pulling. You know what? It's like the, now we're at the archer, we're the, um, the sign of Sagittario, uh, the, uh, the archer. So it's like pulling the bow so you can release the arrow uh, later on. So again, I think that retrogrades are periods almost like that the energy needs to go sleep so it can dream and then awaken with something new. So don't look at it as something bad, okay, uh, as much as you can. This is the um, uh, next full moon that we're having next Sunday. And I wanted to talk about it today because I don't want to talk about it on Sunday when it's going to be kind of too late. Uh, so December 19, it's the last full moon of the year. So what we're talking about is the end of the end, you know, not the end of everything. Every year we have it. But December 19 is a great time to decide what do I not want to take with me to next year. So if you need looking for, if you're looking for some kind of a ritual, some kind of a, a intention, the intention should be in December 19 to meditate with Venus. Remember, she's starting her retrograde. She's stationary. So that's perfect. And what do I not want to take to 2022? 
especially in connection to my mind, especially in connection to um, things that have to do with my philosophy, because the full moon is Sagittarius, a sun opposite to the moon in Gemini. And the Sabian symbol for that time is bankruptcy granted to him. I know it sounds kind of strange. A man uh, leaves the court. So we know that there might be something about courts, maybe something about laws, maybe something about how you govern your life, how you manage your life. But I think in general, because it is a very strong full moon and the full moon is actually getting some blessing from Jupiter, which is funny enough, all about justice. And it's uh, the judge in a sense. It, there is something really good about that full moon because the moon is getting a trine, the, one of the best energy possible from Jupiter. And it's applying, meaning that it didn't pass, it's getting in there. So Jupiter is blessing us, and Jupiter is the ruler of Sagittarius, which is where the uh, sun is right now. And it's giving us the opportunity to really finish something so next year we can start something new. So again, that time uh, on December 19, it's a Sunday, so we can maybe even, if I'll remember, do some kind of meditation of release. So yeah, if, you're, if I don't remember, just remind me next year, next year, next week, uh, to do some kind of a guided meditation that can help us get rid of things so we can start anew and fresh next year. Uh, that's the full moon that we're having on December 19, and it's an end of the uh, cycle, but it's also going to be the beginning of um, the Mercury retrograde, uh, Venus retrograde, sorry. So now what I wanted to talk mainly today about um, is the clash of generation. You know that uh, there is a lot of clash of civilization. I don't want to cover that, uh, but I want to cover, I want to cover clash of generations, meaning not clashes of space so much, but clashes of time. And why am I doing it right now? Last night, because of my jet lag, I uh, had a lot of waking up, going to sleep, waking up, going to sleep. So it makes you remember your dreams much more because always when you wake up in the middle of uh, a dream, you remember it. And I had a lot of these uh, dreams about, um, funny enough, about animals. It's kind of strange. But anyway, those animals were talking you know, in dreams, they are allowed to talk. In real life, they're not allowed to open their mouth to most people. But to me, they did start talking. And it was really interesting because I know it sounds really strange, but they kept talking to me about uh, this square, the square that I told you for a long time that is guiding all of 2021. I wrote about it a lot in the book of 2021. We talked about it. It's January, February of 2021 that it was happening. June of 2021 and now in December 24 is the last square. So now what we're experiencing is the application of that. We're getting closer to that square. That square is supposed to be the last one, but like we said, and I wrote about it in the 2022 book, it's also going to happen September, October next year. And because this square had a tendency so far to reveal itself through the different variants in uh, June, it was much more the spreading of the Delta. Now it's the Omicron. I just talked about it yesterday in the class I had here in uh, uh, Sofia, Bulgaria. It's really interesting that my first live class with actual humans around me, instead of just uh, binary uh, images of people, it was in Sofia, uh, the goddess of wisdom. And I was talking about how uh, Omicron is basically the little O, you know, the little virus uh, that's coming up. So maybe that's why it's not as aggressive, but spreads really fast because it's really small and can sneak into places. We have to make sure that we're not going to get to Omega, which is, you know, the last one. I am Alpha and the Omega. So we don't get to Omega because Omega is the big O, the mega O. And if the mega O comes on... We're done. So we have a few more letters to work with and fix our act before the Omega comes. But anyway, what I was thinking about uh, beyond just the virus and all that stuff, I, I wanted to understand more. What does it mean? And that's one of the beautiful thing about astrology. It's as above, so below. And people always think uh, what happening above is happening below. No, but sometimes we can understand the above from the below. So sometimes the best way to understand astrology is to look at what's happening around and then deduct that's what astrology wanted to tell us. You know, it's getting a different form of translation. It's after all, it's a highway with two lanes going back and forth. And sometimes we can learn about astrology through seeing life instead of necessarily learning about astrology by looking up or looking down at your computer, you know. So 
what I've realized is there's something really interesting happening right now around the world. There is a little bit of a clash of generations. And I'm talking about a um, generation, uh, the millennial and X generation, boomers, uh, not against, but let's say opposite to the generation Z. Uh, and I think that that uh, dynamic is played out in this square. Why? The reason why I feel is because now this square between Uranus and Saturn, which we talked a lot about, is not just random planets. It happens to be the two planets that are ruling Aquarius. Aquarius is the next sign. Aquarius is the next age. Aquarius is the next generation, right? So it sounds like Star Trek, you know, it's the next generation. It's what we're flying to. Aquarius is ruled by the star in the tarot card. So that's when we're supposed to explore the stars. That's about humanity, uh, equality, altruism. In Kabbalah, Aquarius is tzaddik. Tzaddik is the saint. So it is promising that we're heading towards the right direction. Inshallah, we'll get there, you know, before we kill ourselves. But there are two rulers to Aquarius. The traditional ruler, who is Saturn, and the modern ruler, I mean modern, from 1781, it's not that modern, but it's the new um, ruler of Aquarius, which was uh, discovered, and therefore, just like the revelation of Guadalupe, when something is discovered, that's the sign that they carry with them. In the age of revolution, if you think about the French Revolution, the Industrial Revolution, the American Revolution, the Democratic Revolution. So that is the other ruler of uh, Aquarius. And those two rulers are now clashing. So think about it. It's almost as if here we have Aquarius and we have two ways of looking at Aquarius through Saturn, the traditional, or through Aquarius, the revolutionary and the young and the futuristic. Now, this square that we're experiencing is the waning square. There is a waxing square, the first square, and then there is the second square. Now, the whole process started in 1988, 1989. We talked about it. It's the world changed. The iron um, uh, curtain fell and the world completely transformed at that time and leaned more towards uh, democracy, of course, and more towards globalization. Then we had the opposition and now we're applying the last uh, square before the new beginning or the new cycle, which is going to start in 2032. And it's really interesting because in 2032 is precisely when Generation Z, it's in 10 years, are supposed to take the reign and become 30% of the workplace. At the workforce, sorry. So it's, it happens to be like that, that the next uh, conjunction of Saturn and Uranus is going to happen in the time where Z generation take the uh, bridge and fly towards the unknown. We're giving them the reins in a sense. And right now they're starting to show their character um, and they're showing their character in contrast to the other generations. And one of the interesting thing that unfortunately we gave to to uh, G a, 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 yeah to Generation Z or to the um, Z generation is the idea of misinformation, conspiracy theories, and lies. Unfortunately, that's one of the things that we bequest them, and we're doing it through Facebook, we're doing it through Instagram. Thank you very much. And now, even if you rebrand it to Meta Universe, whatever you want, it's the same nonsense. You know, it's basically tools that, unfortunately, instead of spreading truth and in spreading philosophy and love, and maybe one day it will. Right now, I'm not blaming the internet, it's more the social media that is spreading conspiracy theories, misinformation, and blunt lies all over the place. And it's interesting that Generation Z have to deal with it. They're dealing it through their TikToks. We talked about it, uh, a few things that happened uh, during the election. But anyway, we gave them the big lie. We gave them uh, all the fraud that is happening uh, everywhere about democracy and about elections, you know, and it's the people like Putin and people like Trump and people like, I don't start to state names, but it's the baby boomers, their messengers and dominions from the X generation and the millennials also that are kind of in the mix with it because uh, the, the Instagram is very millennial in a sense. So it's not that one generation is better than the other, but what is happening in Generation Z is that they're trying to basically uh, correct that energy. And that's some uh, very, very interesting facts about Generation Z. And I checked only in United States and Europe, so it's a little bit um, um, prejudiced maybe. I'm sure that there is a lot of different st studies about Generation Z, maybe in China. One of the things that we do notice in Generation Z, that they tend to be a little bit less global or globalization, globalization or 
and more nationalistic. Uh, that is unfortunate, but maybe it's also needed. Maybe there is a retreat towards uh, my country or my domain. But what we do know about them is that they tend to be more mixed, more open to social, um, uh, let's say, social activities in a sense, or social concepts. They are much more about equality. They're much more against racism. They want to see more diversity. Uh, they're willing to pay more money if it's ethically created, produced, and it's sustainable. So even though there might be a little bit more into my nation, I don't want to know that somebody in a different nation had to suffer or had to, to, to have problems because uh, I'm trying to get something a little bit cheaper. So that's actually a pretty interesting good thing. Uh, their attention span is eight seconds less than millennials. So, you know, you have to speak fast. But it's an interesting thing that they are very optimistic about the future, which is great because they are the one that are supposed to uh, guide us in the future. So Generation Z tends to be more about equality, more against racism, more about accepting. They're just accepting people for who they are, which is something we definitely need. So if we need to be nationalistic in the future, let us be nationalistic while we're accepting other nations to be just as good instead of thinking that we are uh, the best, you know, which is totally ego-driven. And one of the things that happened to me a few days ago is that I was reading this article in New York Times um, about this uh, new conspiracy theory that apparently was going on in the last three, four years. And I started reading the article. The article is really good. And it kind of draws you into the conspiracy. And the conspiracy is basically about how birds aren't real. And you can see on the billboard, there are some birds uh, hanging out there. But these birds are not real. They're actually drones that from the 70s, the United States government is spreading all over the world and they're taking over the real birds. There are some little birds that are real, uh, but most of the birds are actually fake birds and they're um, drones that are spying over us. And there is um, uh, this, it's basically started by a kid in 2017. He was 18, 19 years old, Peter McClund, uh, McClund, Mc. Lando, sorry, I don't know how to say his name. But anyway, he started that uh, conspiracy theory. He grew up in the South in a very deeply conservative religious community, uh, seven siblings. Um, and he was growing up at first, I mean, from outside of Cincinnati. Then they moved into Arkansas and he was homeschooled. He was taught that evolution was a massive brainwashing plant of Democrats and Obama. So, you know, the evolution uh, started with Obama and that Obama was the Antichrist and he was basically uh, fed all of these conspiracy theories and these nonsense um, that uh, sometimes, unfortunately, people uh, teach each other. And the thing is that he started questioning it, probably a past lifetime of being a sage or being a wise person. And then he says something that really touched me, touched my soul. He said, you know, I was raised by the Internet. So the internet, by, by doing a lot of research and breaking away from that bubble, from that egg we talked about, he actually started discovering that there is a lot of um, other things to look into or other truths. And he said that he started understanding what is going out there and, and reading about evolution, reading about science, reading about what is uh, really out there. And that's why he was raised by the internet. So when people say the internet is bad, it's not bad. It's not good. We talked about it. It's the tree of knowledge good and bad. And he decided to start this crazy campaign and to stay in character for three, four years, really trying to push this conspiracy theory about how birds are not real. And even though it sounds really stupid to you, if I start telling you what QAnon believe in and what other conspiracy uh, believes in, like the big lie, you know, the fraud in election and all that, they're just as stupid. But the thing with him is that he did it, did it in such a good branding and such a good way that he started getting millions of followers. And right now, just now, he decided to come out of character and to fight lunacy with lunacy, fighting fire with fire. But Generation Z decided to fight lunacy with lunacy. And I, you know, if I had a hat, I would take off my hat. If I had a wig, I would do the same. I think it's unbelievable. It's amazing. It started in 2017. And it's continuing now. And basically, um, you can maybe research a little bit on the internet and see that premise of the uh, conspiracy theory and how people were devastated when he actually came out and told them, hey, guys, you know, all this thing about birds is it, it, actually not true. And he did it in order to create the momentum in order to start something new in this world. So 
This could be part of this clash I told you about uh, with um, Saturn and Uranus, this uh, traditional ruler of Aquarius and the new tra- uh, ruler of Aquarius. Now, the division two generations, you know, people consider baby boomers to be people who are born after or during World War II uh, until 64 or so. Generation X is about 65 to 80, 81. Millennials are 81 to about 95. And Generation Z, we're talking about 96 to 2010. And kids who are born after 2010 are considered to be Generation Alpha. Uh, we're starting all over again. And if I look astrologically speaking at these generations, and I think these generations might be a little bit too uh, clean cut. I don't think it never works precisely like that. It's like borders between signs, you know. But you can say that Pluto, which is a generational planet, is probably much more behind uh, the energy of those uh, generations. So, for example, the baby boomers have their Pluto in Leo. We mentioned Pluto earlier the revelation of uh, Guadalupe. So Pluto in Leo means bigger than life. So baby boom. So we're talking about Pluto transforming Leo. Leo is creativity. So think about the, the amazing creativity. We're talking about 59, 60, the flower power. Uh, think about the bills, music, um, uh, everything, cinema. It was a big explosion of energy. And not to mention that, it's the biggest generation. You know, it's like a big, big boom that happened. All the souls of people that died in World War II basically reincarnated after into the baby boomers. Then we had Generation uh, X uh, or Generation, yeah, Generation X. I, I belong to that generation. And uh, X generation basically is 65, around 80. At that time, um, from we have much more Pluto in Virgo. And Pluto in Virgo is interesting because Pluto in Virgo, Virgo is the sign of X. Why it's the sign of X? Because as you know, Virgo is the sign of no. It's the ability to say no. We had this big boom. Now we have to have that uh, Virgo energy that comes to edit. Editing is basically no. If you think about um, going back in time to your uh, school and you just submitted this um, essay that you thought it wasn't that bad. It happened to me a lot of times. And then you return the essay is sent to you with a lot of marking of X, X, X. This paragraph is not ended. This paragraph didn't begin and you didn't even close the essay uh, and then you got a B minus. That's basically my, what Generation X did to, gener- to the baby boomers. You got a B minus. You thought you're an A plus. Eh, no. Then came the millennials, and the millennials have their Pluto in Libra, in Scorpio, because don't forget, Pluto has a very strange orbit, so not always it's clean cut like the dates here. And Pluto in Libra and Scorpio is uh, something different. It basically connects much more to social energies. Libra is all about social uh, energy. Maybe that's why we had that, that social uh, networking that became very, very strong for millennials. And Generation Z is Pluto in Sagittarius. And it's interesting because Sagittarius is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Sagittarius is mass media, mass communication. So maybe that's what you're seeing with the TikTok and things like the campaign of the birds. So I just wanted you to see how the uh, it aligns with the generational planet of Pluto. And we use the generational planet of Pluto because it takes the longest time for Pluto to go around the sun. Therefore, uh, it's easier to identify. Now, what I wanted to do is go over the dates uh, for next week. That's what we... No, that's the wrong uh, sharing because that's not going to let us... Let's see if that does work. Yep. So I hope you guys can trace it like I do. Again, everything we're doing today is experimental because this is a circus. I'm not saying it's a circus because it's ridiculous. Maybe it is. But more a circus like I have my little tent and all of my connectors and we're traveling from one town to the other. So now we are in Sofia. Next week we'll be in Istanbul. Um, So what is happening this week? December 12th, the day of Guadalupe. You see here Pluto and Venus, 25 degrees, 25 degrees Capricorn. Uh, so what is the Sabian symbol of this 25 Capricorn that is so significant? Now, let's see if it allows me to see a water sprite. Water sprite. Water spriting. But 
it's bubbly. But anyway, Venus on top of Pluto, like I told you, is the conjunction of relationship partnership with the archetype of sexuality. So it should be sexy times, but it also talks about a transformation, a peeling off, a shedding of a certain patterns maybe that you have in relation to relationship. So Venus is now on top of Pluto and she's in the shadow, but she's still going direct. The moon is now in Aries, right on top of Chiron. Old wounds uh, could be healed, especially things that have to do with home, family, nurturing. But emotionally, you might feel a little bit off, even in your stomach, because of that moon uh, on top of Chiron. But it also means that women healers could be very significant uh, with you right now. Uh, the sun is opposite to the black moon, so that's not always easy. It's basically talking about a full moon that is created by the mother of demoness. So uh, that means that there is a little bit of, again, emotional instability. So if you feel like you're going emotional up and down without even having a full moon, there is a fake full moon. There is this... Um, um, Conspiracy theory, full moon, because we're having the mother of demoness uh, opposite to the sun. So, uh, again, it can be a little bit emotional. And what we're seeing, especially tomorrow, which is um, kind of, uh, I think, a good thing, is Mars moving into Sagittarius. So if anybody is still thinking about traveling, you know, I, like I get emails all the time. Hey, did you leave LA? You shouldn't leave because everybody's closing up. Too late. I'm, I'm already left. But uh, for us, people who are traveling, Mars is moving into Sagittarius uh, for the next few weeks. And that's not too bad because it actually promotes things that have to do with travel, teaching, learning. But we have a conjunction tomorrow of Mars on top of your south node. And the south node represents what we need to let go of. Let go of anger. Let go of uh, too much activity. So maybe it's time to be careful not to overtrain or to be too physically um, aggressive, especially because what we also have is the moon uh, in um, Aries tomorrow. But the moon in Aries is about new beginning or achieving new things. And tomorrow the moon is sending a beautiful energy to the sun. So actually it's not a bad time uh, to manifest things tomorrow. Again, you have a week now to get things done before Venus goes retrograde and then Mercury goes retrograde. So we are getting into a retrograde season. So you have until Sunday. So next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is the time where you can actually get things done. And especially tomorrow, because the moon in Aries is freeing herself from Chiron and the moon and the sun sending beautiful energy to each other. And Mercury in Sagittarius, even though he doesn't like to be so much in Sagittarius, he's actually, because he's too philosophical and needs to be more grounded, he will get grounded the day after, because on Tuesday, December 14th, we have Mercury moving into Capricorn, which is Earth, the Moon moving into Taurus, which is Earth, and we have a lot of Earth, a lot of practical things, a lot of the ability to make things happen. It's not philosophical anymore. It's not a recipe. It's a cake. It's a dish. So things are happening. So that would be a great thing for you uh, to plan things to move around um, uh, Tuesday, uh, especially because Wednesday, we're still going to be in an Earth Day, but what's going to happen is going to have the moon on top of Uranus. Again, it talks about a little bit of unpredictability, need to break away from influences of other people. But as you can see, Venus is still attached to um to uh, Pluto. And the reason why it's going to last until de December 31 is because, of course, she's going to go back and then she's going to go forward on top of him. Mercury in Capricorn. Overall, Mercury in Capricorn is very pragmatic, very practical. Businesses can be uh, dealt with much better. So it's signatures, it's um, businesses, especially long-term. So if you want long-term uh, decision, long-term uh, businesses, long-term contracts, that's actually a good thing, good time to work with that. Bus for business plan, it's really good. And Mercury is sending beautiful energy to the moon. It's as if EQ and IQ are coming together. Into emotional intelligence and intelligence in general are combined at that time. And we're shifting towards Earth energy, which will peak when the sun after the solstice moves into Capricorn. So the weather is becoming a little bit grounded, but not in a bad way. Remember, the moon in Taurus is the moon of success. And the moon in Taurus is going to continue blessing us in December 15, which is a Wednesday, 
and it's going to be sending beautiful energy of trine. Trine is always connection that is positive to Pluto and to Venus. So definitely Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we have a lot of Earth. We have Mercury in Earth, Pluto in Earth, Venus in Earth, Moon in Earth, Uranus in Earth, a lot of grounding energy. Uh, the Mars in uh, Sagittarius gives us movement, especially for trade, connection to uh, foreign cultures, for learning, teaching. The only thing that day is that the Moon and Uranus, again, are squaring Saturn. You see that very clearly in the chart, that red energy from Saturn and Uranus, both of them the ruler of Aquarius, which we mentioned. So the clash of civilization and clash of uh, uh, generations are still continuing all the way peaking into December 24, right when you are going to meet old generation, new generation around Christmas. So it's going to be a very interesting Christmas for a lot of us. Um, moon in Taurus, again, moon of success, and it's going to continue into uh, December 16. December 16, it is uh, Thursday. We have Mercury still in Capricorn, of course, and the moon Depends where you are in the world. She might still be in Taurus for you. And overall, Thursday is the peak of that bridge between the moon, Pluto, and Venus. It's very artistic. It's good for finance. It's good for um, even healing relationship. And like I told you, it's almost as if before Venus goes retrograde, she's giving us a blessing. She's giving us good vibe that we can work with before she starts going backward. So that's, again happening in Thursday. And then on Friday, the moon is shifting into Gemini, stepping on top of the North Node, which is actually very positive. It's good news for homes, for families, uh, for women especially. It's very, very strong. The only thing is that the moon is opposite to Mars. So there is fight, fight within the family, fight over families. Um, and Venus and Pluto are still connected. So there is definitely some power struggles and manipulation in relationships. And you can see Uranus is closing on the square with Saturn. It's getting stronger and stronger. But the moon in Gemini gives you the ability to make plans for the future, even if the future is after uh, February 4 or after March 3rd, if you want to be more uh, conservative with Venus's energy. And Saturday, the moon is continuing in Gemini, but just be a little bit careful. She's going to be stepping on top of the black moon. So uh, the black moon on top of the moon, not the easiest energy, and it's right coming to the full moon. So Saturday could be a little bit emotional. It could be some power struggles. There could be some issues with... Uh, uh, women, manipulation. It's also the same time that the moon is going to be squaring Neptune, deception, illusions. So again, be a little bit careful with that. Now, yes, I am going to put everything we're talking about for the Instagram people on YouTube. It might take a little bit of time because I might go to sleep soon. Uh, so it's going to be later the day, but I'm hoping to send off um, our recording again, either as a Zoom link or as, as a podcast or as uh, YouTube. Um, again, I ask you if you have the ability to put some um, um, comments or some reviews either on the podcast or in the book. That would be really, really helpful. I think I um, have a copy of the book here somewhere. Yeah, it's on the table. I can't go there now. Uh, from the Bulgarian. And next week, I'll have the version that is uh, Turkish. You know what? One should not be lazy, especially if it's in the same room. Just wait. Don't go anywhere. And for... I this is the um, a book that we are having now in Bulgaria. This is the cover. It's kind of thick. I know it's kind of thick. Uh, it's thick because it has a lot of beautiful um, imagery inside. And the font maybe is a little bit bigger. I don't know. But anyway, this is the book in Bulgaria and it's available. It's on my website also, the link. And next week, I will show off my Turkish version. I wish you an amazing week. Let's see if there's any question that I can answer here uh, in the chat. Uh, employers, yeah, sign by the end of the year. Try to sign it this week if you can. Like I told you, anything you can achieve this week will be really, really, really good. Uh, so 
really try as much as you can to get things done before Venus goes retrograde. But again, don't worry if you're not getting it done. You know, it's not like sometimes we need Venus retrograde to make things happen. Sometimes we needed to um, be reminded of something we forgot. Sometimes um, there is uh, a situation where you need to find a lost part, a lost concept, a lost idea to put into the contract. So don't um, be religious about uh, astrology, please. Uh, besides that, you know, this year, new, uh, this winter solstice is going to be the 21st of the 1221. It's definitely a lot of two and one, two and one, two and one. And I think it does uh, have something beautiful to it. But don't forget that some of the world is going to have it on the 22. So that's sometimes what kind of uh, makes things a little bit different. Uh, Virgin Mary's birthday, September 8th. Uh, ah, yeah, I didn't know that. That um, September 8th or December 8th? Um, yeah, but there's a little bit of a different archetype between Maria Guadalupe and Maria that we are uh, thinking about in the traditional way. It's a different archetype. Maria is much more a Virgo, and maybe that's why it's celebrated here in Bulgaria on September 8th in the Orthodox, but um, it's uh, Guadalupe is more Sagittarius. And don't forget, Sagittarius is traveling, and Guadalupe, Maria, had to travel to Mexico to get there. And when she got there, she's a different person. She went through the seas. You know, many years passed since uh, she was in um, uh, Israel. So definitely there is a lot of change. Um, yeah, there is a great deal of connection between Maria Guadalupe, obviously, and the goddesses that were worshipped at that time in Mexico. That's why she could become the third most worshipped shrine on the planet. It wouldn't have been if it would have just have been Maria. She had to wear different clothes. Um, this sounds... Um, let's see if there's anything else. Next year, yeah, next week... I can't promise because I might forget, but if I don't forget, definitely we'll do that meditation. So now I wanted to make sure that I'm uh, saying goodbye to everybody. Oh, I see Alexandra is here from uh, just across the street, maybe. And I see Patricia. Oh, hi. Uh, in, um, thanks a lot for uh, bearing with me, even when I travel around and I'm in, tr in strange uh, time zones. Uh, it's snowing. It was nice to kind of like travel from spring in Los Angeles to um, a winter uh, in uh, Sofia. And who knows what is uh, going to be waiting in the other places I'm going. Thanks a lot. Uh, I'm going to go and have uh, something to eat and go sleep and talk to animals. That's what one do when goes to sleep these days, especially in Sofia. Sofia, apparently that's the thing you do. It's the uh, entertainment here. This is the Animal Channel. Thanks a lot.